Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, all about movies, and today my guest is photographer Chris Levine, and we're going to be talking about the brand new documentary about Queen Elizabeth entitled Portrait of the Queen. Welcome to the show, Chris. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure having you here. What an interesting film. You are one of many photographers who had the privilege of taking beautiful photographs of Queen Elizabeth through the years, and it's just fascinating to hear your all of your different perspectives about taking photos of her. I mean, how, how amazing was that? That's, I mean, I want to get into your style and what you do and how you decided to create a portrait of Queen Elizabeth. But what was that like for you when you got the call to come and photograph the Queen? Mm, well, when I got the call, actually, I thought it was a friend of mine pulling my leg because it seemed a bit far-fetched. Shot rock stars and, you know, even Indian gurus. But the Queen, as a hologram, because I was shooting her in 3D, just seemed a bit too far. And But it, no, it was a great honor i really put my heart and soul into it and ultimately she gave me another sitting two private audiences with her and wow. we had a good relationship it was a really nice interaction that i had with her how amazing how amazing so what was it like i mean what was she like with you i mean you know does she have specific as i said there are a lot of different interviews in this film with the various photographers who took portraits of queen elizabeth and everyone's perspective is obviously very different and so what was she like with you when you met with her because your style is very different. As you said, you were shooting in 3D. Yes, I was, well, I was shooting her in 3D as a hologram. And a week before the sitting, I got a call from Angela Kelly, her assistant, to say, what would I like ma'am to wear? And up until then, she's the queen. And I'd just been, I was going to shoot her as she turned up on the day. But, you know, then, you know, I got a chance to go through her wardrobe, go through the crown jewels. And so, oh, you, it, did. you know, I styled, I styled her. And that was quite surreal. Now, even now, looking back on it. But when she turned up on the day, exactly three o'clock, wearing the dress that I'd been holding up a couple days previously thinking yeah I think this is the one and when I'm standing in front of the Queen of England wearing the, the dress that I'd selected for her and having to explain to her what I needed to, to her to do during the sittings yeah that was that was pretty surreal I can imagine <laughs> I can't imagine. Were you really nervous? I would be really nervous. Were you really nervous? Well, it, you know, it's been in the diary for about three years and I was pretty blase about it. It was, for me, it was, I was working on a project and had, I was, you know, in kind of work mode. But about a week beforehand, it did, the, the, the nerves started to get to me because, you know, there'd be rings and rings of bureaucracy around her and people telling me, you know, how the image needed to be. And that, because it was commissioned by the island of Jersey, I assumed that we'd need the three leopards of Jersey and Mont Orgyle Castle, all these props and I iconography in the image but no, none of that it was left entirely up to me where I took the image and there was a certain amount of freedom in that but that was quite daunting you know she's the most portrayed woman in history and from the beginning I wanted to create an image that was an evolution in portraiture not just in the, the medium I chose but just in how I wanted to connect with the subject and yeah I was weak beforehand so you know I got nervous but you know you kind of need that to keep you on your toes but I had a second sitting with her because originally it was just going to be one sitting and I had to get it to get it in the can and I felt that I did you know during that first sitting and I actually left the room after an hour and a half and I felt that you know we got the material which was a bit nerve-wracking because we designed a 3D camera especially for the shoot but Her Majesty left the room and I immediately lay down on the floor and it was like hallelujah we've done it there are so many things that are going to gone wrong and I'm still lying on the floor and one of her aides walks back into the room the yellow drawing room to say Her Majesty enjoyed that if you'd like another sitting you just have to write so she gave me a second sitting and then then I had hindsight then I could look at the material I'd shot which I thought was fine and I did make 
make some tweaks and some fine tuning, and actually the magic happened in the second oh, sitting. Oh, Now looking back on it, the first yeah, the, I mean the first sitting was quite quite fraught in a way. She it was unfamiliar for her. There was a lot of technology in the yellow drawing room. It wasn't just an artist and, e- and an easel. It had it full of all these different kind of scanning technology, and she was um, I could see she was a bit kind of perplexed by it all. But also you know George Bush was staying with her. Security had never been tighter at the palace. There was I remember Prince Charles was getting it in the neck and the press about something and I don't think it really was her best day to have a portrait mm, mm-hmm. And but the second sitting it was much more relaxed and Chris nice to see you and it was really gentle and I knew exactly where I wanted to go with it as well because you know it turned out that that first sitting was just a practice so I just went for the shot and it, it was it was magic It was. I, felt, I sometimes feel I just channeled it you know lightness of being you know when I was first getting into meditation and really trying to connect with her breathing with the camera pass and I was trying to you know, take the work into a kind of spiritual dimension and it happened in that second sitting you know I just was acting out some kind of higher orders somehow you know? I love it that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because it's one of the aspects that you talk in the film about is meditation and the use of light and how just being present in the mo- moment I, you know I don't I'm sure everybody feels this way but I hate having my picture taken I mean a lot of people just especially if it has to be a formal picture I mean it's one thing when you're just out and about, you know, and you're having your picture taken. But mm. it's another thing when you, you know, this is going to be used for something, you know, a headshot in my case. And, you know, you're very critical of yourself when you do this. You know, it's nerve wracking. So, uh, you know, you wonder, so your approach to it, I loved, but just sort of getting in that meditative state and, as you said, channeling it from a higher place. And I, I love that. I love, how did you come to that, to this way of, of the way you were? Using- mm. Well, what I'm trying to do with my sitters is to try and get them still and I always think like stillness is a portal to the divine and with meditation it's about entering the space between thought and I shot Elton John's portrait for his retirement a few weeks ago oh wow and he famously yeah you know huge fan you know my whole life and it was a great honour to do that as well but he famously doesn't like having his picture taken and been shot by some of the greats and it was a great honour to do this image that was going to mark his retirement so with, with Elton too as with the Queen and all my other subjects I try to take them to stillness and sometimes I use different techniques to do that with Elton I had him sitting on a I had a Bluetooth speaker emitting this certain sound frequency which is under his chair and, and it got him so chilled he nearly kind of nodded off at one point but really got really calm still and then you get in touch with her like an inner truth mm-hmm. and with her majesty I think sometimes with, with the eyes closed as well you get people just to rest into themselves and you somehow when you look at the image you connect something with something deeper it go, takes it into a spiritual dimension so a, a lot all that's become my thing now where because I thought portraiture was something I'd do later on in my career I mean a lot of my work is about light I use lasers and do installations and but portraiture is something I thought I'd do later on in my career but for me it's, it's about inner light mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know it's get, I mean with the Dalai Lama I got to do his portrait and if you can get that stillness in the image then when you look at it it has a certain resonance to it right well you catch their soul you, yeah you that's can, what it's about yeah. basically yeah capturing their spirit their soul uh, whatever word we want to use their inner light yeah exactly you know it comes through when you have you're right exactly i meditate every day so you know when you get into that you space know. yeah uh that uh you can and it's not always easy uh at all <laughs> to get into that place of no that's right that's what they say the, the, the practice of meditation because you do have to practice it it's you yes. know we're not you know naturally and we can sometimes wake up in the morning and we don't feel rested because you know during the night our minds have been active 
but you know to get still if you can if you can achieve it and even just some moments in a day things recalibrate and you know things can never get too far out of control because you're always pulling it back to center mm-hmm. you know on a regular basis and that can be really helpful you know, you're, yeah. you're, and ultimately you're kind of, the idea is that you know you're dealing with truth we're dealing with life as it really is not as you want it to be and you're trying to force everything to to work with how you want it you are dealing with things as they are and that's a good place to start and then you can do what you need to do and do the best you can and and the next right thing but it's up until you know but you've got to start from a basis of you know keep it real (laughs) i love that chris what a great you know great reminder for all of us you know uh, to do that because you know right we get going throughout our day and we get and then we, we don't stop yeah. <laughs> you know and then who knows what you know lots of things can happen from that but if we remember to take a deep breath and you know and, and calm ourselves down and get back to a center uh, uh, life does work a lot easier when we are able to do that and be be present enough to know that that's what we need to do for ourselves too because that's also Mm. Hard to remember, too. So, what a wonderful reminder! So, with the Queen, um, you had the first sitting and then the second. How how much time between the two sittings did you have? Well, I, I haven't, haven't told, told many people this. I actually, think about all the interviews I've done. But actually, between those two sittings, when I was offered a second sitting, Buckingham Palace came back with a date, and it did. I can't remember what it was at the time, or I think we were going to make some revisions to the camera, but the date didn't work for me. And I put it back. Actually, no, that's not right. Because, you know, and looking back on it, I can't believe I did that. You know, <laughs> but she gave me a, another date, another option, and that's the one we took. And it was about about three months later. Okay. And you know that. So then I had plenty of time to digest and process what I'd shot, and really think. And it was just slight things that I that I changed. And for instance, on. One of the things I asked for um, when styling her was I wanted a very simple A-line dress, but I wanted a, a number of different capes because I thought she could put on a cape and it can change the look very quickly just by putting on a cape. Whereas in a fashion shooter, you can ch- you can change the light, you can shoot this angle, you can do that. There's none of that. Because of the 3D geometry with the camera, I was going for the shot. Everything was set up and the, the height of Her Majesty, the distance away from the camera. So, I, But what I could do was change the look by changing very quickly a, a cape. And when she put on the ermine, the big fur, uh, that that was just that was it because but on the first sitting i i was kind of looking up at her and on one of one of the capes was a military cape and it was looking up and the angle there was you know she was like it was almost quite dictatorial it was a it was not like this of being um so i softened it by brought a camera angle up and it made all the difference you know in in that, that second sitting and you know it, we often kind of wish we had hindsight but um I, I did that. in a way it's quite good that I didn't know I had that second sitting um, because you know I, I really all the focus and intention was to get it right on that first sitting and I went through all my processes my creative process and I got to got to a level got to a result but but then I could just for some fine tuning really you know it made all the difference That's and then I had two two private audiences for the one to one to show the work in progress because in between in between the, the two sittings, I had one meeting with her to show what I'd shot in the first sitting and talked to her about the title as well, how, how she felt about equanimity, which is the, the formal title to the portrait, because it didn't need to have a title. It wasn't, you know, it was just going to be Her Majesty 
Queen Elizabeth II by Chris Levine. But I, I felt I wanted a title for it. And equanimity, which is a, you know, that the word that is used a lot in relation to meditation. Um, and then I had a, a, a further sitting to share the final work. And I was going to, I saw her not shortly before she passed actually last year. And she said to me, you know, how pleased she was, because this was during the Platinum Jubilee where the portraits were, were being seen everywhere. You know, they were all over the world. And she said how pleased she was that the portraits are, are being seen so much. And it was really nice, really nice to connect with her. And no, it's really very special. And yeah, one of those things. You know, and then shortly after, she passed away. Right, right. We all miss her. I'll be honest. <laughs> we all miss her. And mm. this, and it, this is just a wonderful documentary. Uh, you know, to remind us. You know, really, we we got to see more of who she really was too from each uh, of the different photographers who who did portraits of her and each of their perspectives on this. So let's talk a little bit about three D. That what you know what talk a little bit what why that's different and why you chose that. Yeah, well, it, originally the the curator who was appointed by the island of Jersey because the portrait was commissioned to celebrate Jersey, the island of Jersey, in the Channel Islands, 800 years since they broke away from France and pledged allegiance to the crown, and they wanted to mark that 800 years with the modern portrait. So they appointed a curator to oversee the commission and to choose the artist. That was Gordon Young, who's now a great friend of mine. And he he put together a short list of artists and one of them was me because I was experimenting with holograms and more kind of future technology because, you know, the image wanted to commemorate the 800 years and it wanted to speak speak about that. And so having the hologram was quite futuristic and contemporary and, you know, it didn't need to be an oil painting or a photograph. It wanted to be something quite modern. And so I was exploring all kinds of different ways of using light as my, when I was kind of going through through the proposals to what I was going to do. I was thinking of all kinds of ideas and then arrived at the hologram. And But holograms have always fascinated me. You know, to look at a real hologram is, is just like to look at the object and it's really there. It's phenomenal. But then that's quite a laboratory exercise. It's not a studio process. It's a very technical subject. And, you know, I have to kind of bring in, you know, highly technical people to work on my holographic projects. But what, one of the things is it means shining lasers onto the subject. And I thought that could really kill the project at the last minute when we go through the health and safety and, you know, what, Chris, you want to shine lasers at the Queen? I mean, what happens if you blind her? <laughs> there was, it, I just sensed that wasn't going to go down well with the palace. So right at the last minute, I changed it to a photographic technique that creates a 3D um, image, which is essentially a normal photographic camera moving along a track and then shooting the images from left to right. And it's what's called a lenticular. And typically it has about 100 images. Each one is a slightly different view from left to right as the camera goes past. And then when you put a lens onto the front of it, your two eyes see only two of those images at any one time. And uh, if we get the geometry right, it's what's called a stereo pair as you see things and you, you read the perspective. But it's, it often gets called a hologram. It's become a, become a generic term to anything 3D or it's a hologram. But the hologram is actually a laser photograph very technical this is a lenticular but it's very three-dimensional so and so for instance the ones that are in the national portrait gallery are on light boxes and so you know commissions that i've done and then i've shot some amazing subjects from 
you know, Kate Moss and the Dalai Lama through to, I mean, even Frankel, the greatest racehorse of all time, um, shoot them in 3D with a moving camera. And so they're, they're lit up. So they're, they're light boxes and illuminated. And you see the image. You can see the different perspective as you it's really, I mean, it's hyper real. It's quite astonishing, actually. It is. It's really amazing when you act, when you do see it. Uh, my, how did the Queen feel about it when she saw it? Well, I mean, because people often ask, you know, did, well, did 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 you? Um, why did she have her eyes closed? I mean, you know, and I was very conscious of her breathing, but I actually asked her to rest in between shots, so she didn't know that I shot her with her eyes closed at the time you know a lot of the camera all the 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 moving cameras i was timing the movement of the camera with her breathing so i could get a sense of calm in the image as the the camera moved past i wanted to create that stillness um but when i got to show her the work in progress she and we chose the title together she was yeah i think she was pleased with it she was pleased and in fact interestingly when when on i had an exit because i I shot it in 2004 and the the portrait's it's in the castle now in Montnogal in Jersey. It's you know her eyes are open. It's the cover. It was the cover of Time magazine. You know it was a big thing at the time. Right. But then I had a lot of material that I went on to develop further. And then I did an exhibition a few years later in in London, and I called it Lightness of Being, where I showed the, the full body of work because I, you know, as an image maker and as an artist, you know, I had all this material. I delivered the image, but I just, I've got images of the back of her head, the side of her head, you know, with her eyes closed. You know, all kinds of images that I went on to develop. Um, and I, when I, um, so the Daily Telegraph wanted to feature my exhibition, Lightness of Being, and they wanted to put the image with their eyes closed, Lightness of Being, on the cover. And it was a big spread inside about my show. And I assumed, and all these images had never been seen before. This is the first time I put them out. I did an exhibition called Lightness of Being in 2008. And I assumed that the Telegraph given that it's Her Majesty's favourite read on a Saturday, she's the Saturday magazine in the Telegraph, that's what she likes to read. I assumed that the Palace and the Daily Telegraph would have been talking together and everything was cool, all permissions done, and, you know, fine. I was very happy that... And then I hear on the Friday night, it was coming out on the Saturday, that they didn't tell the Palace and that Her Majesty's going to see the magazine tomorrow morning. The fir- and the first time she's going to see the image, Lightness of Bing with her eyes closed, is going to be on the cover of the, the most widely read magazine in England. Um, and the, the palace hadn't even been consulted. So I got a call on Monday morning um, from their press office. And I thought that was it. I'm going to the tower. I mean, I, I, I really thought I was in deep. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a big problem. And so I spent 24, 48 hours really worrying. But in, in the end, Angela Kelly told me, no, you know, because one of the images, I bleached her face out. Another of the images was shot from the back of her head. Pictures of her eyes closed. It was pretty radical. And But Angela Kelly told me, no, you don't have to worry. You know, Her Majesty knows that these, because these, you could interpret these images in different ways if you wanted to. You know, but I did it with love and with good intention. And Angela said she knew that. And Her Majesty knows that. You got on well with her. She, it's not a problem. It was a problem for a lot of the people around the Queen but for the Queen herself, was absolutely fine with it. And, you know, confirmed, you know, when I, when I saw her, you know, last July, she was, uh, yeah, I think, she, in fact, when, when the idea was first put to her about doing a hologram portrait, the, the official word was that she was tickled by the idea. And it was, yeah, she, 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 got, in, she got into it, yeah. 
That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So you got, so what was the difference you said, you know, between the first sitting and the second as far as, I mean, you said you're glad you had that redo, I guess, <laughs> a do-over, I guess we could call it. But um, did you have different, you had chosen her, uh, what she was going to wear in the first uh, session, the first sitting. It, did you have the same clothes for her at the second sitting? Or did you change it? I know you had the cape and the ermine, um, but did you have the, did you change what she was going to wear between the first and the second? And also, what was really dramatically different before, between the first and the second sitting? Mm. Well, I think, I mean, f- first of all, on the first sitting, as I mentioned, I, th- I don't think she was in the great mood to have her portrait take, taken. She was quite difficult to engage with mm-hmm. and quite dour and quite, there's other things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, and also, and I went through the process of trying on the different capes, you know, but once I'd seen the ermine, that was it. There was no question. This is what we're here to do. You know, it was the ermine. So in the second sitting, I just locked onto the ermine and we just focused on that. And, but the atmosphere was very different. You know, it was much warmer and she was relaxed and, you know, it was a good day to have her portrait taken. <laughs> um, and, you know, and it really came across, you know, and when I did ask her to close her eyes because, because the camera, took a little time to reset. There's a lot of light onto Her Majesty mm-hmm. after she'd like to rest in between shots. And, you know, she was she was in a good space, you know, which is a nice interaction, you know, throughout the shoot. And yeah, you know, I think it was I think looking back, you know, saying I channeled this, well the first sitting was just a warm up. That was just, you know, it's just a practice and you know, familiarize ourselves with each other and she could see how the process worked with the moving camera. And also I had I had a because in 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 the yellow drawing room I had incense burning I had a candle I know I had a I had a little ultraviolet crucifix as well wow. that because I wanted her as the camera moves past there's a tendency for the subject to watch the camera you can't help but watch watch the camera move past whereas actually I want them to stay perfectly still and the camera goes past and mm-hmm. shoots in 3D if you move you don't get the, the you know the the, the 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 dimension so I I created this ultraviolet cross. And I had it set behind, um, set right out in front of her. So she's she's looking at the cross as the camera goes past, and it's you know, and it really worked. It you know, it's a and it's a technique you know I've used ever since. Is this this target and a cross that the subjects look at, and it just keeps. And then if you look at equanimity with her eyes open, she looks like she's looking right into the distance through you. She's not looking at the camera. She's not. She's looking right through you. And it really works. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a little, little technique I've, I've, I've stumbled upon. Wonderful, wonderful technique too. Again, catching that inner spirit, that inner soul, you know, the soul, and that's what your pictures are, are, are mm. grabbing. You know, that that part of who that person is, uh, the real essence of who they are. Really quick, we only have like a short. Well, actually, our time is run out, Chris. I thought we had some more time, but we don't. But thank you. What a fascinating uh, experience to be able to talk to you about uh, this wonderful documentary entitled Portrait of the Queen that will be out uh, on September 5th and before uh, the one-year anniversary of um, Queen Elizabeth's passing. So thank you for your insights uh, on just... You know, it's just really wonderful to have you on the show. So thank you so much. You have a great Thanks, day. Jan. Thank you. Take care, Chris. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. 
To all my wonderful, loyal listeners, your love of film allows me to do what I do. If you want to support me, the best way to do that is to hit the subscribe button on the iHeart Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, on YouTube. Subscribing matters. If you are feeling really compelled, I want to hear from you. Have a burning question, comment, or review? Drop me an email at the Jampro. Show.com. Thank you for listening. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show, all about movies.